being reconciled. So it's interesting you mentioned Colossians. I was, when you mentioned Colossians, I was going, okay, it's not on my list. And then you read it, and I go, but it could be. Sure could be. But I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. Paul writes, From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we know him no longer in this way. Therefore, you could probably all quote this scripture, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, I thank you for your word. Pray a blessing on it. Uh, just allow, allow it to enter our spirits today, and let us see what you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Twice a year, spring ahead and fall back, we are asked to perform a task. Do you know what that task is? Change the batteries in your smoke detectors. Right? Now, I'm not going to say how many people actually do that based on you didn't know the answer, but that's okay. Is there usually anything wrong with the batteries? No, no, unless they've been activated, but that's a different problem altogether. The idea is to ensure that it will always perform when needed. And I say today that we can equate the word of God to that. We have to have it in our heart so that when we need to, we can perform. We can do what he wants us to do. So in the same way, it's a good idea to do a spiritual self-analysis from time to time. And the New Year's, you know, it's as good a time as any. I read about one person who made a New Year's resolution not to make New Year's resolutions. So if that's your New Year's resolution, you're keeping it, I'm sure. But God wants us to recalibrate. Sometimes we, we get so caught up in things that are happening that we forget where we were, where we've come from, what we've been delivered from, where we are now. It's, it's kind of like, for us older folk, checking, checking the timing on your car. Now, if you're young and you don't know what that means, ask one of us later, after church. All right. So let's look at some of these things 
that get us started and, and a self-analysis. There are four uh, phrases that I pulled out of these scriptures. And the first one is found in verse 18 where it says, from God. From God. We need to remember, as it says here in verse 18, everything is from God. Sometimes we forget. Or sometimes we think that what God gives us, he doesn't give us anymore, or we don't need to get it again. It's like we're supposed to keep being cleansed. It's a progressive keep going. Everything is from God. And that word everything, the Greek word is pas. I don't usually get Greek words that are that easy, but this one is. And it means all or every. It's generally used for every piece that applies to whatever situation you're in. So if we're looking at pas, we're looking at, at the whole. Now, if we look at the whole as belonging to God, then what does that mean belongs to us? Nothing. If you consider nothing as the opposite of everything, then if everything is God's, nothing is mine. I want to read Romans 11.33-36. It kind of gives a little definition of that. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor and who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. If everything belongs to God, when we ask Christ in our heart, that includes us. So that the things that God gives us, he gives us not to own per se, but as stewards. And I believe if we remember that we're stewards, it changes a lot of situations. For example, if the owner of a restaurant wants to upgrade and he gives the manager $1 million to upgrade the restaurant, whose funds are they? They're still the owners, even though he has entrusted them to the manager. The manager may use them wisely and generate more income, but it's not the manager's funds. It's the owner's funds. And we have to take that thought and we can put it like the house I live in. We started off in verse 16 by saying, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Worldly perspective says, that's my house. My name's on the deed. Well, Michelle and mine, we're both on the deed. But the worldly perspective says, that's our house. But we don't think that way anymore. It's God's house. I'm just stewarding it. And if we start applying that to the issues of our lives, we find ourselves in a position where it's much less cumbersome. 
or stressful. We don't have to think so hard about why we're doing what we're doing. Now put that in relations with people. If I'm offended at something you do, that's a worldly response. But if I'm a steward of God and my emotions and my feelings belong to him, it changes the way I look at things. They're his emotions. God, how do you want me to react? How do you want me to respond? What do you think I should do in this situation? Sometimes it's speak up, sometimes it's shut up. Just depends on the situation, doesn't it? But it changes. I'm a steward now of the emotions that God owns because I surrendered my life to him. So everything is from God. And when we remember that, it makes it a lot easier. Heidi Baker has a very common saying, God is God, I am not, yay. I think that's good. It's imperative we recognize that God is higher than us. I'm going to skip ahead, uh, Shannon, to Isaiah 55, 6 to 9. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call to him while he is near. Let the wicked one abandon his way and the sinful one his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord so that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will freely forgive. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, and your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours and my thoughts than yours. We cannot hope to understand God. His knowledge is unsearchable. He can reveal things to us, but many things he leaves a secret. We don't know. We can't understand. But if we put ourselves in a position of steward, we can believe and agree that he will let us know what he wants us to know so that we can do the work that he wants us to do. I'm going to go back to Matthew now. Uh, this is the one I skipped. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. When we accept Christ, like verse 17, we become a new creation. A new creation means the old one is gone. It's replaced. But we're still, we're still at the beck and call of the one who saved us. So I wanted to bring that up pretty much just as a, an introduction. Now we'll get to point one. You like that, huh? If everything is from God, it, I believe it changes the way we look at things. But the, it goes on to say in verse 18, it says, through Christ. Everything is from God who has reconciled himself to us through Christ. We can never forget that the only way we can get to God is through Jesus. We just cannot do anything else. Now, I, I looked at the word reconcile. Uh, it is the Greek word for here is katalasso. Told you pas was easy. 
and it means to change, exchange, or reconcile. Now, in, in Christian psychology, there's an event called the Great Exchange, where you're carrying something like uh, depression or something that God is just telling you to get rid of and you can't, like an addiction or something. And the, the premise is I take that and I give it to God and say, what will you give me in exchange for that? Right. That is the meaning of this word reconcile. Um, but in our case, it says God reconciled us through Christ. In other words, while we were at odds, which needed reconciliation, we didn't have anything to bring to the table. So God provided the way for us to do it. And he did that through Jesus. And the only way we can get to God and be reconciled through him is through Jesus. Now Romans 5, 10, and 11 says, For if, while we were enemies, were you an enemy of God? We were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Just celebrated that then how much more having been reconciled will we be saved by his life? I read a meme the other day that said, uh, Jesus dying on the cross proved he was human. Jesus resurrecting proved he was God. So we have to understand, because in order to reconcile, there had to be a sacrifice that was acceptable to both parties. And basically, Christ took on himself the sin of the world. That made him acceptable sacrifice on behalf of the people. And God needed a perfect sacrifice, who was his son, Jesus, and he became that perfect sacrifice. So he kind of stood in the middle and reconciled. And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. We didn't do anything to get it. Pastor Gary always used to say, all our righteousness is as filthy rags. Filthy, we, we couldn't bring anything. We can't bring anything to God. And I read that earlier. What can we bring to God that he would have to repay us? God doesn't owe us anything. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ is the reconciliation of God, that exchange, when he took on himself the sin of the world. And I, I want to stress here that he did not become a sinner. He just took on himself the sin. So when the, when the uh, goat that was sent out in the wilderness took on itself the sin, the goat did not become a sinner. It became a goat with sin on it. Christ was a perfect sacrifice, the Lamb of God. He did not become a sinner. He was never a sinner. And he did not become a sinner. But he took on himself our sin so that he could take the penalty that we deserved. We have to remember that. Um, there's a, an illustration I want to share. It's about a, a labor management situation that happened back in the 70s at a steel mill in Pennsylvania where the uh, 
the management had a fairly uh, confrontative view of the labor union. And the labor management relations were not good at all. And the labor union was threatening to strike, and if they did a strike, it would have closed the plant down because the plant couldn't do it. Well, there was a vice president. Uh, his name was Wayne Alderson, vice president of the steel company. And he got involved in this labor dispute. And the management is saying, you've got you've to give us our way. And the labor union is saying, no, we don't. You know, we'll, we'll walk off the job. You know, we'll, we'll just see what you can do without us. Well, Wayne Alderson realized something has to change here. This can't go on this way. So what he did was he started to view the people, the laborers, as valuable. Fancy that. The people who actually do the work for you have value to the company. But the management was saying, no, you have to do what we say. We can't give you all this. We can't do this. But this Wayne Alderson said, stop, stop. We don't have a company without these people. We can't do anything without them. We have to honor them. In fact, he started a, a group saying, value the person. And because of his efforts, management and labor not only reached an agreement, but the entire dynamic of the company changed. Because the management now started to recognize the value of the people. Now, management was reconciling or operating out of a position of, we own the money. Right? And God could have done that. But God decided that in the midst of our inability to do anything, we have value. We have value to him. What gives us value to him? We're created in his image. He created a world and put us in it so that we could have dominion over it or steward it. And when we lost it, he didn't say, that's it. He could have. He almost did when he destroyed the world and Noah was saved. Eight people, that's pretty bad. He wanted to wipe out the Jewish people and make a nation out of Moses. Moses said, no, no. Moses interceded and God relented. So God was reconciling himself to the people despite the people's behavior. But through Jesus, we have a sacrifice. We have the ability now to go to God through the blood of Jesus. But we have to go through Jesus. And we can't forget that it's through Jesus that we go to him. We have to remember that. So everything is from God. Everything is through Jesus. God has reconciled us to him through Jesus. We didn't reconcile ourselves to God because we didn't have anything to reconcile. God reconciled. God said, I value you enough that I'm going to provide a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus fulfilled that perfect sacrifice. So we need to remember that. The third point is that he did that through Jesus to us. 
not only to us, but through us. But I'll get to that in a minute. It says in verse 18, he gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, who knows what ministry means? Service. Right? We are servers, like waiters, of reconciliation. And this is a different Greek word. This one is katalage or katalage. And this one means restoration or, restor or reconciliation or restoration of favor. Now, it's different because now God has done the exchange that enables us to be reconciled to him. He's given us the ability now to serve him by reconciling others to him. Now we're, now we're tasked with bringing that favor that we've received from God and taking it out and becoming ministers of reconciliation. It's a different word but we're doing it out of what God has done for us through Jesus. And again, he still owns us, so he can do what he wants. Something looks different, but he still gets to do what he wants with us if we recognize that everything is his. So he wants to move through us. And then in verse 19, he says that in, that is in Christ, God was reconciling not just us, but the world to himself. And not counting their trespasses against them, so the forgiveness of sins, right? Because we are sinners, saved by grace, and once we've entered the righteousness of God, our, our status changes. But now we're taking that change out and saying, you can have it too. You can be there too. And then he says, take it to others, which is verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal, how? Through us. God is making his appeal now through us. Through us. So we plead on Christ's behalf, not our own. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled. That's that first one, the one where God reconciled himself to us. Be reconciled to God. So now we're taking a message to others who need to hear it. And, and part, of the, part of the solution here is to look at these people that we're taking this message to the way Jesus looks at these people. And they see a salvation waiting to happen. Uh, many times, again, it goes back to 16, where we used to look at people in the fleshly way and say, oh, this person's not worthy, or this person's not worthy, or this person can't be forgiven, or all the excuses that you hear people say. When you look at people through Christ's eyes, you see a soul that he died for, that he hung on that cross for. And they're no different than we are, even though they may have been doing things differently. They're, 
sinful life may have been more radical than mine. That doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't look at that. He looks at the soul. He looks at the heart. And he looks at that as somebody I've died for. And he wants us to carry that message to others. And he calls us ambassadors who basically represent the government that we're, that we're living for. Whose government do we live for today? Right? Our kingdom is not of this earth. It just isn't. Our job is to bring the kingdom to earth, but our kingdom is somewhere else. That's why we're representing that kingdom. We're representing that ruler. We're representing that monarch, which is God the Father, through Jesus the Son. So God has called us to be ambassadors, and that means I have to represent him. And believe it or not, I do represent him. The question is, how well do I represent him? If I want people to be reconciled to God, will they be reconciled to God by looking at my life? Will they even think about being reconciled to God by looking at my life? Or are there things that I need to think about maybe, maybe, just maybe, changing? Hard to say. I know I'm nowhere near as perfect as he is. Isaiah says his ways are higher than mine. I can't attain perfection in that regard. All I can do is submit myself to Christ and let him lead me and guide me, and he'll tell me where to go and what to do. And as I walk in his power, in his authority, in his wholeness, then I'm hopefully prayerfully becoming an illustration of what it means to follow Jesus. And that's what I believe God is calling us to do. And, and this reconciliation that he wants is coming to others through us. Now, I believe God is bringing reconciliation to the masses. But he has to use somebody to do it. And doggone, we're here. This is where we are. We, we come in contact with people every day who need the reconciliation of Jesus. Sometimes I need the reconciliation of Jesus. I find things that I have decided that I don't want God to know. Yeah, good luck with that. Do any, are any of you hiding anything from God? Are, are any of you trying to hide anything from God? Is it working for you? No. <laughs> this is where I get afraid of the prophets. I don't want to sit and talk one-on-one -on -one with prophets because they hear from God and God might know. You know he, might, he might say something through them. So I think I'll turn away. God is calling people to him. He wants every single person who's outside of this walls to be reconciled to God. Every single one. Nobody is exempt from his desire. And my prayer today is that as we take this self-examination, we look and make sure that our lives are reflecting and representing Jesus. Because we can't do it on our own. 
I'm not good enough to lead someone to heaven. I'm good enough to point someone to the one who can get them to heaven because I have been forgiven and I have received that. But I, I can't. I can't tell somebody. No. Just, I can't do it. It's like herding cats. I can't do it. I don't even try. No. But I try and share Jesus when I can. And I had the opportunity to share this sermon with two of my coworkers on Friday who were asking what I was speaking on. So I talked loud enough to be heard over a couple cubes. I don't know who all heard it. But Jesus wants us to be ambassadors for him so that people can be reconciled to Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that we have been reconciled to you. I thank you that you initiated what had to be done in order for us to be reconciled to you because we couldn't do it ourselves. And I thank you for sending Jesus. And I, I don't thank you enough, Lord, I'm sure, for sending your son to be sin for me because you weren't sin yourself and you knew that my sin had to be atoned for. So I thank you for taking on yourself the sin that I've committed, the sins of the world, the sins that each one here has committed. You took them on yourself so that we could be reconciled to the Father. And I thank you for that. I thank you and I pray that I would always honor you for that and recognize that I, I belong to you. I'm yours. Everything I have is yours. Everything I do is yours. Everything I say is yours. Lord, let that be my prayer always and let that be our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen. I did not give a five-minute warning. Uh-oh.